This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and hear it talking proud, talking proud. All right, everyone, what is going on? How you doing? What's up? This is episode 232, Talking Buffalo Podcast. I want to start by thanking everybody, like I always do, for listening, continuing to download, support the show. It really, truly means a lot to me. Honestly, it does. Uh, today's going to be a five-topic Friday here at Talking Buffalo Podcast. Lots of Buffalo Bill stuff on tap. And I'm going to be joined by a guest today, and I'm very, very excited about this one. And that's because I have a feeling that not many people outside of the Buffalo Fanatics online community know about him. And I feel like that's going to be changing pretty soon because this guy just has some serious star potential. Uh, his voice, his pacing, his cadence, his delivery is just stuff that you either have it or you don't have it. That natural God-given talent, I certainly don't have it. This guy does. He sounds like somebody you'd hear on the radio every day. But here's the funny thing, has never done radio a single day in his life. Just crazy. Uh, his name is Joe Miller, and he's the host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast. Again, part of that Buffalo Fanatics podcasting tree that, frankly, I'm just starting to really get into and discover that brand now. I was very late to that party. I always thought for some reason that Buffalo Fanatics was just this big message board on Facebook where a bunch of Bills fans would get together and post whatever they're going to post about. I knew of Rico and I know that they have a couple of YouTube things, which are fun. But again, I really didn't know them as a brand, especially when podcasting, but I'm starting to learn that they got some really good content on there. And as far as Joe Miller, there's just something about this guy that I really like. Hearing his podcast is kind of like listening to a, a smooth jazz record. Actually, to be honest with you, it kind of pisses me off how easy he makes it seem doing a podcast. Again, just some people just have that knack. And he's certainly somebody that does. You'll hear that in just a few minutes. And by the way, typically I tape on this software with a remote guest on Zencaster, but we had issues with that. Had to switch to Skype, but even on Skype, which is not as good, you can still hear that this guy's got a good voice. And again, check out his own podcast and you'll hear that for yourself. Anyway, lots of good Buffalo Bill stuff on the table today. Uh, we're going to talk Cam Newton as a player. The good, the bad, the ugly, now that he's signed with the New England Patriots. Why suddenly New England is yet again the trendy pick to win a division. Are they deserving of that? We'll talk about the dramatic improvement of the Bills wide receiver room in less than two years, which maybe as much as anything else is a real testament to the job that Brandon Bean has done with this team as GM. And speaking of Brandon Bean, 
We talked the urgency and the importance that he and Sean McDermott have. Getting them signed to extensions and what could happen in that ultimate nightmare scenario if they don't get those deals done. And I know that's something that no one even wants to think about, let alone talk about. But with everything going on with Terry Bagula and PSE, you never know. So we hit on that. For some fun, we talk about former punter Brian Mormon, if he belongs on the Bills Wall of Fame. Uh, it's a bullet point. I kind of stole that from Buffalo Rumblings, but I thought it was pretty interesting. So Joe and I talk about that. We discussed the horror of a potential New England versus Tampa Super Bowl. Oh my God, that's hard to think about. I read off a very enlightening Facebook status from a buddy of mine who talks about masks and just overall human decency. Joe has a great response to that. Much more. Again, I enjoyed this chat very much. I think a lot of Joe Miller. Hopefully you will in about an hour or so as well. Not going to waste any more time. So here it is. My chat with Buffalo Bills podcaster, Joe Miller. All right, I'm joined right now by Joe Miller, host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, part of the Buffalo Fanatics podcast community. His podcast drops, I believe, on Monday. We'll talk about that in depth. What's going on, Joe? How you doing, man? Good to have you on the show, finally. Dude, it's it's incredible to be here, and I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're going to talk about this in a minute, because right off the bat, as soon as I hear you, I get pissed off and jealous. We talked about this before <laughs> we even started taping. You got a straight-up radio voice, and it kind of pisses me off a little bit. But beyond that, we're going to have our five-topic Friday. That's what I've been doing on Fridays. We're going to hit on like five topics. I'll probably cheat, sneak okay. a couple more in there as well. But before that, like I said, I want to spend a few minutes talking about yourself and Fanatics and your podcast a little bit. So give us a little bit about your background. Like, what is your background, whether it's radio, podcasting, music, whatever it may be? Because like I said, man, you got a voice that's kind of meant for people to listen to. Yeah, it's it's funny because like it's become somewhat of a joke inside of, inside of fanatics. So inside of like our group chats and stuff like that, like the private stuff as far as where we're all at, because like they call me the voice, um, and it's a little bit like I I I, I don't know. I didn't expect this. Like it's <laughs> I don't know how to explain it other than like I don't know. This is just the voice God gave me, and here it is. So and like <laughs> no, I have I have no experience in radio. I have no experience in podcasting. Uh, literally I I've been a, a professional musician most of my life for about two decades. Uh, so I know how to talk into a microphone. I know how to be on stage. I know, I, I understand cadence and I understand pacing and I understand like inflection and things of the, like those types of things when it comes to public speaking. Um, but literally the podcast started for me based off of two things. Number one, I felt like I had a voice. I felt like I was every fan. I was every man to every fan or every fan, to every man. Um, however, the stuff that I was hearing and the content that I was getting, uh, on the radio just didn't necessarily represent me. And I wasn't happy necessarily with the way the people that had the same opinions as me were being treated, if that makes sense. And then part two of that was for work, I needed to figure out how to create a podcast and like learn all the backend stuff. So it was just kind of a, Hey, if I'm going to do this, I might as well like experiment, throw something out there. And literally, I just threw something out there. It was a Bills thing because I figured I could talk for 45 minutes about the Bills. And then, like, it just kind of caught on. Like, the whole thing is an accident. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to explain it other than it's just a happy accident. And my wife and I are happy now because I have this hobby, like, where I get to talk about the Buffalo Bills. And I'm meeting kind of cool people like yourself. Dude, I can't begin to tell you what an honor it is to be on your show. Like, just to be asked and 
like the, 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 the interviews that you've had, the people that you've had on the show and to be included, bro, it's just, yeah, thank you. And that's a little bit about me as far as just background goes. I have none. Um, it's just great to be here. So if I'm a little bit anxious or nervous, please forgive me. No, man. And I, t- I really, <laughs> I, I truly do appreciate that. And one of the things I really like doing is going out and finding guests and podcasts like yourself to give a chance to, to kind of highlight a little bit in terms of the voice. And by the way, for people listening to this, so this is our plan B. You're listening to Joe on Skype right now. We had Zencaster, but something was going wrong. So, and you Probably still sound, my end. well, regardless, <laughs> you still sound really good even here on Skype. But like I said, well, people go listen to his podcast, Overreaction Sports Podcast. If nothing else, like even if I hated the content that you're doing, just the voice <laughs> itself really kind of reels you in. Now you're talking about just sleep. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now we'll, again, we'll hit on some, they're all Buffalo Bill stuff. So we got five topics to For talk sure. about, but I want to, again, sure. kind of want to ease into this a little bit because you were talking about podcasting and being new to the game. Has yeah. it been so far kind of what everything that you thought it would be, whether that's good or bad, like the process of doing a podcast, it's not always so simple. And you start, I'm sure you've learned this. You don't just sit down, hit record, talk for right. whatever minutes and then put it out to the world with it doing absolutely nothing. I'm sure there's some stuff you do to fine tune it. You put some thought and effort into what you're going to talk about in that episode. There's a lot more work, basically what I'm saying that could oh, yeah. go into a producing a podcast than just, you know, dropping whatever it is that you're going to say, calling it a day and hoping the world loves right. it. There, it, it. It could be a chore. Now that could be, that's usually a good thing too, but it is a chore, right? No, for sure. And, it, and it's very much the 80-20 rule. Like 80% of what we do, if we're doing it well, is preparation. And then the 20% is probably the talent, right? So, sure. you know, if, if we're if we're prepping properly and the amount of prep that it goes into, you know, knowing what you're going to talk about, concept is a big thing. So I've had a lot of guys reach out to me and, and just say, hey, you know, you're new to this. You started a podcast. Like, what did you do or why is it working? And the first thing I tell them is like, well, you got to have a concept. You can't just be like, I'm going to talk about the bills. Like that's not a concept. Like there has to be something around it. So for me, you know, the overreaction thing and it's kind of catching on. And I had uh, Jay Spence, one of the guys that's on fanatics. That's a really good friend of mine. He feels like it's kind of becoming a brand. He's like, you know, that whole overreaction thing is kind of taken over. Um, and it, it's just how we as bills mafia are like we overreact to whatever's going on. If we're winning, we're overreacting. If we're losing, we're overreacting. If we're in the middle, we're overreacting about being in the middle and it just kind of, kind of stuck. So yes, to your point, like literally that, that preparation piece and putting the notes together, make sure you kind of know where you're going and making sure you're, you're completing thoughts and landing the planes and dotting the eyes. Like all of that stuff is important. And then obviously it helps to be able to communicate. Um, but I would, I would say that you do what you do well, um, I've listened to you a lot. Obviously, I, I, I reached out to uh, 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 Nick and Nolan, uh, Nick Bat, after you had him on and like just just thanked him for kind of the stuff that he said as it pertained to, you know, just preparation and what he goes through to kind of like put his shows together. Um, but yes, to your point, like it's it's not as easy as it sounds. You don't just click record. I've got all the gear. So like the recording gear like I had from being in the music industry. Right. So li- li- there was a measure of just turning it all on. But there's more to it than just turning it all on. There's gotta be, there's gotta be some content there. So content is important for it, sure. It definitely is. And also knowing what you're talking about or having a passion right. for what you're talking about. Because for an example, I've been down here in Florida for a couple of years now and I'm constantly, I've met a lot of people from Florida. Now I grew up born and raised in Buffalo, but mm-hmm. I get all the time like, yo, you're down here, man. Why aren't you on 
why are you not doing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast or a Rays <laughs> or the Tampa Lightning? Or you can buy them all and, and just have like a, a Tampa sports podcast. You're down there. Right. You know people, which I do. You know, you can get credentialed and actually cover these teams. I'm like, because I don't give a shit wow. about them. Yeah, but I don't care about them. That's my whole thing. <laughs> I care about the Bills and as pissed off as I am at the Sabres, I still care about them. That's where my, I don't want to say expertise, but that's where my passion comes from is Buffalo right. sports. and having yep. people on who want to talk Buffalo sports. I don't want to start all over and move to another city and start right. with their sports scenes where I'm going to be watching a game and I don't care about it. Now, it's kind of funny because you say overreaction because Bills fans overreact to everything, and I completely agree. I am one of the biggest knee-jerk reactors there are. <laughs> but down here, I would say the one benefit, if you did cover a team or a content that you weren't as passionate about, the one good thing I would say is you don't have that emotional connection right. to a team. Like if I were covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't really give a shit if they win or lose. You know what right. I'm saying? It's like you're just telling a story. That's why a lot of professional sports media people, they do their job so well because they don't have that emotional attachment. If Joe Miller or Patrick Moran were covering the Bills or the Buffalo News, we'd probably start swearing in our columns right. or in our post-game right. shows and stuff because of how things are going. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the rant from the Browns guy last year, right? Yeah. I don't know his name, but like that rant that the Browns radio dude went off on. Like It was amazing. That dude just like lost his mind. So yeah, but the good news for you is like you left Buffalo and Tom Brady followed you. So yeah, well he could <laughs> freaking go to the moon for all I care. I, <laughs> that's an, uh, people. I'll tell you this too. I, ugh, how do I say it? Because I don't want to sound like a complete Tom Brady hater, although I am. But <laughs> people down here are acting just like, and we're going to talk about Cam Noonan, which is a good segue in a second here. People are yeah. acting like they're getting twenty twelve Tom Brady. Not 42, going to be 43-year-old no. Tom Brady down here. I don't, don't get me wrong. He's not going to throw 30 interceptions like Jameis Winston did last year. I would pretty much guarantee that. But this ain't the Tom Brady of old. Just like I don't think the Patriots are getting the Cam Newton of 2015. And we'll talk about that. But, yeah, they're going a little bit nuts. Now, let me ask you this, Joe. With mm. Buffalo Fanatics, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm kind of late to the party. And I'm just going to come out and say this. When it comes to Fanatics, I'm a little bit late to the party in terms of podcasting. Not too long ago, I, I knew, I've always known of Buffalo Fanatics, but I mm -hmm. always thought that was like a Facebook group. And there's a lot of Facebook groups, Buffalo Bills. I mean, there's right. many yeah. of them. That's how I, 22, Bills, there's like several Bills and Mafia, Mafia ones. Yep, yep, for sure. yep, exactly. And I didn't know them as a podcasting platform at all. But recently, I've started to listen to a lot of the shows. Like I said, I've been listening to yours. I had mm -hmm. Steve Mathis on a couple of weeks ago. We talked yep, about his show. Rico is, a, Rico is a very... Uh, he's a character-driven guy, man. He's really personable, and you can see that on the YouTube videos that you guys yep, all put yep. out. Very yep. personable. I like him a lot. Spence, of course, again, one of the founders of Buffalo Fanatics. Just talk to me a little bit about how you got involved, actually, with the Buffalo Fanatics brand. So Buffalo Fanatics started, you're on point, started with a Facebook group. That's how it started. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it just kind of grew from there as Rico got involved. And then it's, it's Rico, Bobby, and, and Pierre, obviously, that kind of that are the founders of Buffalo Fanatics. And like the goal, as far as I can glean, because I'm not in the inner circle, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously one of the podcasters, one of the personalities, talents, whatever you want to call it. It seems like the goal that they have is to take over the world. So I guess I'll just put that, <laughs> put that out there as it is. I mean, they have a passion and, and a drive and, and they've got, you know, goals that they want to want to reach. And one of the things that they came into this year, I think kind of wanting to do, and Steve was a big part of that, uh, was building a podcast team. So I'm not necessarily sure that they had a great podcast presence last year or the year before. Um, so there's, there's this kind of like growth that's happening. So 
I got connected. So I started again my podcast last year at the bye year at the bye week. Uh, and then uh, Steve reached out to me. I think it was in January, or February, and and asked me if I'd be interested in, in, into coming aboard. And I was like, Are you kidding me? Like you're going to give me a platform to talk? Like I'm going to go from having 30 listeners to having whatever you're going to give me? Yes. Like let's do that now. Um, so that's how I got asked and joined, and which was really awesome. And then Jay Spence is a friend of mine, uh, the the Code of Conduct uh, podcaster, mm-hmm. uh, and he was. We were kind of as I was beginning, like talking about starting my podcast. Like him and I were going to lunch, and we were just talking about it. And then I started it, and like he's like, "Man, I've really been wanting to start a podcast," and blah. And I was kind of pushing him, and then all of a sudden it was like, "Hey, why don't you come on my show? We'll do some p- position breakdowns." And, and it ended up being like two episodes of position breakdowns. After the first episode, he got offered a show. Wow. <laughs> like, yep. Like they were like, dude, we want you. And I was like, and then he texted me. He's like, they just offered me a show. I was like, you're kidding me. Like that's it. So it was awesome. So our roster right now is actually, I think really good. Like I'm excited about the team that we're on. It, it's very like we all vibe together. We all get along together. I just literally went on YouTube with Rico and Jay Spence and like, had a blast talking about Cam Newton and there was like, we weren't all on the same page, which was cool. We were kind of coming from different angles and talking about different things. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely growing. And like I said, it seems to me that they've just got this, I, this, they've got this vision to take over the world. And you know, it, I just had Rico on my show a couple weeks ago. Um, and that was awesome. Uh, he's just an awesome dude. I'm a sucker for an accent and he's got a beautiful accent. Um, yeah. he was actually the one, <laughs> he was the one that started calling me the voice, yeah. by the way, just to let everybody know, he's the one that kind of started that whole silliness, but, uh, I've embraced it. It's a little strange, but I've embraced it. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool thing to be a part of for sure. Well, I'll tell you, I, I feel like every brand needs to have something that they're really good at to stand out a little yeah. bit from the others yeah. because the Buffalo bills. And I'll tell you what, I mean, everyone who's a Bills fan knows like the Bills blogs and the Bills podcasts and stuff like that. It's probably the same for every team in the NFL, but I'm just talking specifically the Buffalo Bills here. There's a lot of them. It's a very saturated market. Oh yeah. And you got to bring a little something different to the table. One of the things I'm really liking about fanatics. And again, I'm late to this party. I'm just starting to get to know some of the guys and it's kind of been fun for me. It's kind of like discovering a new TV show. Like it's been out. <laughs> I'll give you an example, like sons of anarchy. Everyone talked about the show. I'm like, what the hell are you right. talking about? It took me three seasons to finally get digging and start watching. And once I did, I oh, got wow. hooked. That's kind of right, how I right. feel about fanatics right now. But you guys have nice. become a really good presence on YouTube. And that's something yep. that yep. fanatics is doing that. I don't see other podcasts out there really doing it or if doing it, they're not really doing it well. So to don't, speak. Give our secret, don't give our secrets away. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. But yeah, you mentioned it. I saw you on the YouTube show uh, just a couple of days ago. With Rico face, too, man. It's, I got a face made for radio. <laughs> well, you got a voice there too, and that's really what matters most. So, uh, no, there's a, they they actually just approached me. Uh, it was yesterday. They approached me yesterday and uh, about doing a YouTube spot. So I'm processing that whole thing. There's a chance that Jay Spence and I might do a YouTube spot because Jay Spence and I actually vibe really well together. So we're kind of working through it. Kind of, we don't want to do it without a concept. I mean, it's it's it goes back to what we were just talking about. We don't want to get on and just like let's talk bills. Like right. that's not really that's not fun. So, and in the off season, off season, it's really not fun. Um, so we want to have a concept. We want to make sure it's solid and we want to make sure that it's something that we're going to enjoy doing because it's a hobby. We're not making a living doing this. Right. Um, And I definitely think that it's important to have, like I said, it doesn't have to be something completely unique, but you at least have some sort of different slant towards something because you just said it, if you're going to talk straight Buffalo bills, like one thing I've learned with this podcast for over two years now, I interview people. And I have conversations with people about them as much as 
what mm-hmm. they actually do for a living or the shows that they put together, stuff like that. Because I learned a long sure. time ago, if I'm going to sit and do nothing but talk Buffalo Bills and that's it, why are you going to listen to this show? You have <laughs> you have Joe B and Matt Fairburn. You know what I mean? You right. have Nick right. and Nolan yep. or straight Bills talk. So yep. Yep. you kind of got to have a little bit something different. It could still be Bills talk, but you got to have a little bit of a slant to it for uh, for it to work. At least that's my take on it anyway. No, for sure. And my and that's what my show is about. So my show is is just trying to be I'm not a stats guy. I'm not the cover one guys. I'm not Bruce Nolan. Like I'm not, you know, Greg Thompson. I don't have I don't have that ability, you know, to to really understand every single piece of the X's and O's. I love reading all those guys' stuff. I love listening to them. I love learning. My show is a fan reaction show. So for me, I'm right there with every fan. So that's what my show is about. So however you're feeling after the game on Sunday is probably how I'm feeling, and that's what you're going to hear on Monday, right? Yeah, so and I like that. I, I like that a lot. Well, speaking of things that you're feeling, let's kind of dive into a couple of topics here. Sweet. The big one, of course, Cam Newton signs with the Patriots. One-year deal up to $7.5 with incentives. Mm. All right, so mm-hmm. 31 years old he is, all right? for I don't know why. When I saw, when I read the articles, I don't know why, but for some reason, I thought he was older than 31. It just seems like he's an old 31. And and I'll tell you this too. So you know this. When I approach subjects, I do not approach them on this podcast always as a Bills fan. I like to play devil's advocate a little bit. Sometimes that pisses people off, but that's what I like to do. But in this case, again, I I kind of feel like, yo, he's only 31 years old. Then he did. Does it feel like he's been around a lot longer than that? To to me, it did. It felt, I was thinking like mid thirties. I don't know why. It's Maybe. a blur, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a blur. I, I know he's not young, but I didn't. I, yeah, I would agree with you. It, it felt, it felt. He feel, yes, he feels. It feels like the, the league has been about Cam for longer than right, that. So, right. Yeah, no, he, sure. he's an elite talent for sure. But I mean, in 2018, uh, the shoulder injury, he started mm-hmm. six and two. They lost their last six games that he played, and he only played mm-hmm. two games last year with a foot injury. Before that, put him on. They lost the last eight games that he played. So lots of negative stuff going on. But at the same token, man, this is a former MVP of the league in 2015. And you can make an argument that a healthy Cam Newton, if he's healthy, and that's a big, big, big if, but if he is fully healthy and he stays healthy, you can make a very fair point. And let me know if you disagree with this, that that offense is going to be better with him this year than it was with 42-year-old 2019 Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? it's hard. Yes. I know where you're coming from. Um, and it's funny because if you ask me that question, I would probably push back and say, well then make the argument. Cam Newton for me, uh, 10 years in the league, he's had three winning seasons, one season with 4,000 yards. And that was his first season. He's had two seasons with 3,800 yards. I'm not so like when you look at the numbers, even from a statuesque Tom Brady that was throwing the ball in the dirt, every time a defensive end came near him last season, like his Tom's numbers like were better last year than Cam's last full season. I I, I just I don't know where I to, every time the Cam subject comes up for me and you and if you've listened to my show or you've heard me on Jay Spence's show or even that YouTube thing like for me it's like isn't Cam broke like I'm not I'm not sure it, it's all going to come back to health it's all going to come back to is the foot that he re-injured against the Bills right in preseason that's where he re-injured that foot uh, is is the foot healthy. The, sh- the throwing shoulder. I played, so I played baseball in high school. I played volleyball in college. I played a lot of softball. Have you ever separated your shoulder, Pat? Have you ever like like done anything like to tweak a shoulder? Uh, you know, I think that's one of the few things I haven't done. So no, I don't think I have. No, I've separated my sh- my right shoulder twice. 
So I played third base. I played shortstop in baseball. I played third base in softball. I've got a decent arm. And after I separated and hurt my shoulder, I literally had to move to second base and could barely make the throw from like between first and second base to first base, like just from the range of motion stuff that they're talking about with the surgery that he's had, the pain that comes with it. If he's healthy, I it's a wild card. Like, I don't know what we're going to get literally to your point. Like, can we make the case that he was he a healthy cam is better than Tom? Maybe. But then if I look at the statistics, like I said, he's three winning seasons in 10 years. I'm just not, I'm not sold. Right. And a lot of his numbers, I mean, the dude's been sacked 291 times. That was, that was reported on uh, good morning football this morning, uh, 291 times, which is like the sixth most, uh, he's got 58 career rushing touchdowns. It's funny because his numbers are very similar to Josh's numbers. As far as like his sack rate, uh, the, the rushing ability that he has and stuff like that, which lends into another conversation about Michael Lombardi that we probably don't have to go down that road as far as what Michael Lombardi thinks of Josh versus what he thinks of Cam. Actually, I, just, I, I me, do. I do. Cause you know what? You're not on this show all the time. It's your first time. I actually do want to, I want to get your thoughts on that. What did you think of Michael Lombardi and his comments? So let, we're kind of getting off the beaten path there a little bit, but I'd like to know what you think of that. I thought he totally disrespected Josh. Allen. Me too. So, I mean, to, to, to say that like that football team, the Buffalo bills he's talking about because our roster is solid. There is nobody looking at the bills roster of starters and depth. There's not many teams that professionals are like, if you remove history, if you remove the city, if you remove the logo on the helmet, if you look at the roster front to back, there's not many teams you're taking over the bills for a professional person, you know, that has been in executive positions in the NFL to look at that team and say the hole on that football team is Josh Allen is just disrespect, especially around when he speaks of the things that he did it's pretty obvious he doesn't know the story of Josh Allen and what Josh Allen has done, where he's going, and what they're trying to accomplish and what they put around him. Brandon Bean has made, like, he has done so much to put the pieces around Josh Allen. This season, don't get me wrong, Michael Lombardi's right. This, in one aspect that he didn't say, this season is about Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out a lot about, and I've, I'm on record as saying we'll know by week eight or nine. We'll know by week. We have not seen, we've seen glimpses of Josh's ceiling, but we have not seen his ceiling. However, I believe we'll know by week eight or nine who Josh Allen is. I'm not saying that he'll be functioning or operating at that ceiling game in and game out, but I think that we'll know what we have. It's either going to be everything we think it is going to be, everything we hope, or there's going to be an aspect of like, well, maybe he's not the guy. I think he is the guy. But for me, Michael Lombardi very much disrespected. Josh Allen in that in, in that little piece, that segment. And the worst part is there wasn't even pushback. There wasn't even a measure of there just wasn't no banter back. They let him talk and they let him rant. And then it was like, thanks for being here. And it was like, really? And it just the whole interview just upset me. So but I, I agree. No, I, I well, that's your, your podcast overreaction. But <laughs> that's right. I, let me say this about we'll pivot back to Cam Newton here. One thing that yes, he, look, he he talent. It's there, okay? He's got a lot of God-given talent that not a lot of quarterbacks who have played the position are like him. But I'll say this. His record, like he might be 13 games over and it's even, we'll say, 11 games over in his career because we won't count the two games from even last year. But when you look at his season-by-season record, I mean, he had a 12-4 record. But then the next year, they went 5-8-1. Then he had that 15-1 MVP season in 2015. But then the, the... the Panthers only won six and eight that next year. They won 11 yep. and five in 2017. 
And they followed that up with a six and eight record the next year, including, like I'd said earlier, eight straight losses to end the season. So it's been very, he's been very inconsistent even before the health. And again, the last two years, the injuries, and that's a very big deal, but he's been a very inconsistent quarterback. That doesn't seem to match for me personally, a Bill Belichick kind of quarterback. Now, again, they've been spoiled because they've had arguably the greatest quarterback who's ever played football for the last 20 years. But now you got a guy, you add the health, and we talked about this. You don't know what you're going to get with the health. You also don't know what you're going to get in terms of consistency. And here's one last thing, too. 2015, and we'll both agree on this. That's a long time ago. If 20, Five years. Yeah, if 2015, <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's be fair here to the Bills. If 2015 was just yesterday, well, guess what? The Bills went out and they got one of the best cornerbacks in the entire NFL because they signed Josh Norman, who was a stud mm. in 2015, mm-hmm. right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, that's absolutely right. And fifth, let's be honest. Five years, you know, it's like it's like dog years. Five years in the in the NFL is a lifetime. The yeah. average the average career span of a running back in the NFL in the NFL is four. So if four years is the average career of a running back in the NFL, what is five years? Not and not necessarily to a quarterback, but let's be honest. Like five years is a long time. That that 2015 year to me looks like an outlier year. It doesn't look like who Cam Newton is. So I, and I think it was Colin Coward who actually said it. You take take away his worst year or like a player's worst year take and, and then take away his best year. And that'll kind of give you who that player is. So if you take away Cam's worst year, which we take out the, the injury year and then, so remove that one just altogether 2019. But if you remove his worst year and then remove that, that MVP year, I'm not so sure you're looking at a guy at that point in time when he enters any team, let alone the Patriots whose offense is not great. Right. I mean, their offense just isn't. There's nothing about their offense that is going to make you want them over any other team for that matter, especially the Bills. Our offensive roster is way better. I mean, the wide receiver group, you know, maybe there's a push at the running backs. Maybe the tight end. I bet you can't even name their tight end. Like there's an aspect to, I'm not so sure that you're taking, like you're not putting Cam if you remove that MVP year and putting him on the Patriots and automatically saying, oh, they're Super Bowl contenders just like that. Like they're like what's happened in the NFL. And then, I don't know. Did you see today? Uh, I got I got it here. Hang on two seconds. So uh, did you see Diana Rossini say that she spoke with she spoke with an AFC, uh, AFC East head coach about Cam Newton? And she said uh, that based on that conversation, what they said is, I think they're going to keep three qu- quarterbacks in, in, in uh, New England. Cam Newton, perhaps, is the wild card, almost as a gadget player is what, the way that I read that. I actually don't see him starting week one on the offense because they love Jared Stidham so much. So there's not even a guarantee at this point. She that said that, or she said that, or are you saying that? No, she said that. Oh she wow! She said that there's no guarantee that he's going to start, and that's based off of another head coach in the AFC East. And by the way, it's worded. You can tell that's not Sean McDermott. So it'd be interesting who you know. Yeah, that sounds that very Adam Gacy to me. <laughs> I, I would I would agree with that. But can you imagine Cam Newton riding the pine in that locker room with Bill with Bill Belichick? Like, I, I'm just not. I think that is the primary reason. Now that you just said that. I think that's the primary reason that the Bills made no effort whatsoever to sign him because I'm, I don't think that they wanted a guy who's done in the league what Cam Noonan has done being the backup quarterback in that locker room because I'm sure you had the same train of thought, at least in some regards anyway. If Josh yeah. Allen starts the season with a couple shitty weeks or who, hell no. Right. I mean, the expectations, at least in Buffalo, are so high right now. If Josh Allen has a poor first half of week one, <laughs> People are going to be like, yo, you know, Cam's sitting there. So I think that sure. played a reason. 
I'll tell you this. Like I said, though, if you count eight full seasons, five of those eight seasons, Cam Newton didn't even hit quarterback a team to a 500 record. Now, of course, now let's, let's not put everything on the quarterback. There's lots of reasons why Carolina underachieved certain years. and certainly not just Cam Newton. Well, sure, let me ask you sure. this. Do you think it's a fair conclusion? Mm-hmm. So I say this. I, I think Cam Newton is a very dangerous quarterback, certainly better than Stidham. At least I think so anyway. Maybe Diane Rossini doesn't, but I think so. Maybe we should pump the brakes though. that, like I said, New England's getting the MVP Newton. We, we don't want to forget. This is a guy who got cut by Carolina months ago and sat unsigned, not for a couple mm-hmm. days, not for a couple weeks. We're talking months, several months, man. No one made him an offer. So it's not like he was picking and choosing what his options were. But having said all that, is it fair, if you're playing devil's advocate here to say that by waiting things out, Cam kind of put himself in what might be the perfect position because he is going to a team that wins every year, 20 straight AFC East division titles, greatest head coach in NFL history, mm-hmm. a team mm-hmm. that had no clear-cut starting quarterback. It feels mm-hmm. like he put himself in the perfect position to succeed. If he's going to, it feels like it would be in New England. No, I, I I agree. This is absolutely like, hey, Cam, we want you to come and improve it. And Cam wants to come and improve it. And it's a great place to come and improve it. I think for me, the, the conversation comes back to why does that team win? You know, there's there's something about football teams and rosters. And like we've seen super teams get built before, whether it was the Eagles or the Redskins, the, the amount of times that Dan Snyder has trying to tried to do it. Um, obviously, the Dolphins have made a lot of moves this year. We've seen super teams try to get built, and I'm going somewhere with this, and they never seem to come through. And then there's always those teams where it's kind of riddled with guys that aren't really well-known, whether it's the no-name defense or the purple people eaters or or just teams like that where it's like they've got a lot of decent players, but there's no like star power there, and those teams dominate people. You look at the Patriots. The Patriots have lived on that for whatever reason, and I say the reason is culture. And I know that culture is not a very fun word on certain radio stations in Buffalo, but culture is a very real thing. That defense, if you look at that, even that even that defensive roster isn't like stacked with players, but they play as a unit, they play as a team, and they play like together so well that they're very rarely out of position. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Everybody relies on each other and they hold each other accountable. The offense in that team for like the Patriots for so long, especially the last four or five years, Hasn't been great, but Tom Brady, Tom Brady has elevated every other player on that roster. Think of the years that they've started out slow, the years that the wide receivers were not running the right routes, the years that the blocking wasn't great. And Tom is like on the sideline, losing his mind, trying to get these guys to play right, to do what they're supposed to do. I just don't see Cam as that guy, Tom Brady. And I hate him, right? We all we're Bills fans. Like, He's gone from 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 New England. I'm willing to admit that he's probably the best quarterback ever to play football. However, I hate the guy. But there's something about what he would do with the guys around him. Peyton Manning, same thing. Peyton Manning plays for the Indianapolis Colts and they're 12 and 4, 13 and 3, 11 and 5. He gets hurt, doesn't play. What does that team do? 1 and 15, right? right. Like and then he, it's like certain players have I don't know. If you go by the history for Cam, he had continuity in his head coach. He had continuity in players around him. But even still, if you look at his history, he is not the guy that elevates the players around him. He's just not. So for me, I just, I just, it's a wild card. We're going to see. We're going to find out. Is it Jared Stidham? Is it Cam? Is Cam healthy? Is he going to be dangerous? I just have no idea. And if there's somebody that knows him, thank God it's our head coach. Sean McDermott knows him, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. 
Well, that kind of leads into our next topic, which is the Buffalo Bills have enjoyed, or maybe they haven't enjoyed it. I have not enjoyed it. They're being picked by everyone in the world to win the AFC East. They've been the heavy favorites <laughs> for the last couple of months. Well, guess what? Yep, yep, yep. Obviously, that's changed real quick here because now the national media is pandering the New England Patriots, particularly ESPN. I mean, it's really annoying. It kind of mm-hmm. makes me sick in a way. So let's start there. And of course, look, this means zero come September or October, <laughs> whenever the hell the games actually are going to start this year, if they do start. Right. That means nothing. Who we're talking about in June and July for winning the division, that means zero. We know that. Personally, I'm not a fan of the Bills. I, I don't like them in a favorite role. But anyway, mm. how do you feel personally about all of a sudden New England because of one player goes from possibly not even being better than Miami this year to, if you go by ESPN right now, overwhelming AFC East favorites with just one signing of a, a guy who we don't even know what we're going to get from him. Yeah, I'm a Bills fan, so I don't even know that I can answer this question to make anybody believe me. But I mean, for me, Jared Stidham is their is their quarterback. This team, like the the Patriots, are not the AFC East favorites. No, I don't know, and I don't know that adding Cam Newton, based on what we've seen and potential in, injury history, tells me that all of a sudden you insert Cam, and that and that they are now the AFC East favorites. Now, this I will say, I think it's a two part question for for us as Bills fans. It's Okay, who are the who are the AFC East Patriots or the AFC favorites? Is it the Patriots or is it the Bills? So that's the first question. The second question is, can we beat the Patriots? Because for me, regardless of who's playing quarterback, we clearly in the last 20 years have had a very difficult time beating that team. What are we four and 34 in 20 in 20 years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the majority of it obviously is Tom Brady. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, whether it's Cam Newton, Tom Brady, Jared Stidham, if, and I think I made a joke the other day that if Bill Belichick was under center, we still have to beat the Patriots. And that's what it really comes down to is can we finally push the bully back into the dirt, you know, much like we did with the Dolphins in 1980 when the goalpost came down. Like it, something at some point in time, we've got to stand up and say enough is enough already and just beat them and beat them consistently and put them back into the place that they were in the 90s when we owned them, right? I mean, isn't that what we're all wanting to yeah. get back to? So for me, I don't think that inserting Cam into that roster makes them AFC AFC East favorites. At this point, paper on paper, and obviously you have to play the games. That's why they play the games on any given Sunday. Paper on paper, this Bills roster is still stronger than every other team in this division. But that's just my opinion. Well, I'll say this. First of all, if they can't beat the Patriots this year, then they're in a lot of trouble because Agreed. the Bills are built right now to win this division right now. You got your quarterback going into year three. You got one of the better defenses. You added a number one receiver. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. The coaching staff is still intact, so continuity's here, talent's here. Returning, and, returning the offensive line. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and the quarterback from, from the team that's beat up on you for the last decade is gone. Last 20 years, I should say, he's gone. And it's not just him, by the way. It's also, I mean, they lost a lot of talent. Uh, Kyle Van Noy left. Uh, Jamie Collins, two good linebackers. Uh, Danny Shelton won to Detroit. They lost their center to Miami. So they have a lot of roster loss right now besides just Tom Brady. So you can look at it that way. But you also, and you kind of at least hinted at this, you got to be fair here too, because at the end of the day, New England, despite, you know, they lost at home to Tennessee in the playoffs. They were not Mm -hmm. the same team last year. Tom mm-hmm. Brady was not the same quarterback last year, but you know what? Guess who still went 12 and four last year? The new England Patriots. Uh, you can make, and again, you could at least make the argument 
I'm not saying it's true, but you could at least make an argument that a healthy Cam Newton is better than 42-year-old Tom Brady. That's at least an argument you can make. At the end of the day, this is a team that's won 20 straight AFC East division titles, dude. Bill Belichick, one of maybe the greatest coach ever. They still have a very good defense. I mean, at least that's secondary anyway. They're really good, and they can run the football. So there are no pushovers. But yeah, Cam soon put them over the top. So at the end of the day, you kind of answered this already, but I just want to ask you this again. You're comfortable with the Bills being considered AFC East favorites. I'm not because I feel at the end of the day, you have to beat the team. Until you beat the team, like you could be that heavyweight prospect rising up the charts, rising up the rankings real quick. But until you get in that ring and you knock out the champ, you ain't the champ. And you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be favored to beat the champ until you beat them. That's my attitude. But at the same token, you could also say that you're comfortable with the Bills being AFC East favorites. And I think that you are, right? I mean, I don't like the attention, right? So there's right. something about the attention and being a young team. But I think I think McDermott is the leader. McDermott is a, is a leader of men. And I think he's got this, this roster right where he wants it as far as that goes. And if there's a man that can kind of keep them where they need to be from a mindset standpoint, it is him. I would prefer to be under the radar. I'd prefer to shock people like we did somewhat last year. Uh, comfortable? No. But I think that on paper, it, it, I, I agree with you 100%. On paper, our roster is the best roster in this in this division. Mm-hmm. However, you still have to be the Patriots. We've got to beat the Patriots. If we don't beat the Patriots, there's, there's no point in even talking about right. any of this. Right, and it's very yeah. fair to say that the Bills have the best roster in the AFC East. I'll tell you what, I think it's almost fair to say that Miami has the second best roster Agreed. in the AFC East right now, and people don't even Agreed. talk about them. You know how it works, too, Joe, in the NFL. Every year, there's one or two teams they go mm-hmm. five and eleven, or six and ten, or even four and twelve, and end mm-hmm. up in the playoffs the next year. I mean, hell, San Francisco went four and twelve and went to the Super Bowl in one year. That's Don't right. discount Miami. I mean, this isn't a separate topic here, but this is all Buffalo and Miami. Uh, I mean, Buffalo and New England. I wouldn't completely dismiss Miami from being in this mix for an AFC title as well. I know a lot of Bills fans don't want to hear that, but that's the way nope. I feel with this roster. But you're talking about Kyle Van Noy went to Miami. Shaq Lawson went to Miami. Like they've done a lot of good with that roster. And it's funny because like when you look at the Patriots defensive roster, there's a lot of guys that none of us have ever heard of before. I mean, Juwan Bentley has replaced Kyle Van Noy. Has anybody heard of Juwan Bentley? Probably not. Right. I mean, just so yeah, there's a lot of great talent in Miami, but that goes back to that whole it's more than just the roster. There's something about certain teams that when they play together, they just become bigger or greater than they are. Right. Yeah. It's it's the, the, the sum is greater than the parts, right? Or the whole is whatever that saying is like, so we'll see. We're, we're about to find out. And I think Sean McDermott is the guy. I think Sean McDermott is the glue that's going to hold this roster together. I think he elevates the play, the, the play of his players. So we'll see. We're going to circle back to Sean McDermott in a couple minutes here. I have, yeah, I want to spend a couple minutes on another topic here. Talking about the Bills wide receiver room, because when I look at this roster, dude, from top to bottom, every position, and I look at the job that this front office has done in recognizing what a weakness is and converting it in the strength. I feel like wide receiver is the is the textbook definition of what I'm talking about, making a weakness into a strength. Because two mm-hmm. years ago, dude, this wide receiving unit was a joke. And I looked back a, and I'm yeah. like, wow. 2018, Robert Foster, Zay Jones, and Calvin Benjamin were your top three receivers. None of them had... More than 653 yards receiving. None of them had more than 56 catches. Mm-hmm. Not to take shots at them, but you're not going to win a lot of games and your quarterback's not going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL if those are your three best wide receivers. Now you fast forward to even go, or actually just rewind the last year. They go out, they get John mm-hmm. Brown and Cole Beasley. Two good names, but until they do something on the field, that don't mean nothing. They played well though last year. 
they both had, they were very, uh, they were both very influential on this offense improving. And then you go out and you trade your number one pick and you go get Stefan Diggs. So now you're talking about Diggs, Brown, and Beasley compared to Foster, Jones, and Benjamin just two years ago. I mean, talk about how much better this wide receiving unit is right now. In my opinion, one of the top three or four trios in the entire NFL. And again, it's not just, that's not based on projections. That's based on what we've seen with our own eyes, what these guys could do. Indeed. No, and it's funny because when you when you think of that 2018 roster, Zay Jones had 56 receptions. I think he had 100 targets. I mean, think about that for a yeah. second. Like 44 balls that he didn't catch. And that's what's even more interesting about this offense and just Josh Allen and the narratives that surround him. So the Bills were number one in drop percentage in 2018. I don't know the number. I, they were number one in drop percentage in 2019, which was seven. But from 2018 to 2019, what did Brandon Bean do? He went and he got wide receivers. He went and got John Brown. And he went and got Cole Beasley. And he put some guys around Josh. However, it was, it was better, but it still wasn't good enough. So then he goes and gets Stephon Diggs. And the reality was it was a waiting game for us, right? We traded a number one pick for Stephon Diggs. There's a lot of great talent in this draft. And then there's that fear of like, well, what if one of the guys that we wanted was available when we could have picked him? Well, the guy that we, one of the guys that we wanted wasn't. So it turns out Bean made the right choice in getting Stefan Diggs, who's a sure-handed receiver. He's a deep threat. He's a guy that's going to pull all the coverage and all the attention away from John Brown. And for me personally, I think that the Stefan Diggs move makes an even bigger impression for Cole Beasley. You're you're walking into this game, yeah. And, and Jay Spence talks about this a lot. Like your defensive coordinators are going to have to make a business decision on what they're going to do. Who are we going to take away? We can't take away everybody. Devin Singletary is a weapon. Zach Moss, if you've watched his tape, is going to be a weapon. You've got Stephon Diggs, like all of a sudden across the field from you, and it's like, okay, if I if I blanket Stephon Diggs and shut him down, much like in Minnesota with Adam Thielen. I'm going to have a problem with John Brown. But, oh, by the way, I've got Cole Beasley underneath who leads the league almost every year in separation yards, like like his, like his the average of yards of separation that he gets. For me, I just, this whole thing is just lining up perfectly. And, like, the anticipation and the excitement that I have of being, I hate the word unstoppable, but I just, I just don't know what you do. If you're a defensive coordinator, what do you do? Like, and, and Dawson Knox wasn't a slouch. He dropped a lot of balls, and he contributed heavily to that drop percentage number. But if, if he gets kind of where he needs to be and like gets like into the, the, the position of catching the ball the way that he should, the way that we expect him to, I just don't know how you defend this team. Like, what do you? where do you start? Well, I, I'm really glad you said that because I agree 100%. Cole Beasley is going to be a huge benefactor, I think, oh, to yeah. Stephon Diggs. As well as Dawson Knox, because like you said, pick your poison. You know, you, they're yep. going to have favorable matchups. There's no question yep. about it. If there's one thing that I do worry about, I don't want to say worry, but at least it's on my mind anyway, is the fact just like, you know, with lots of teams that have a lot of good skill position players, there's only one football. And you have only guys one. like, you know, John Brown had 115 targets last year and Cole Beasley had 106. That's two guys with over mm-hmm. 100. Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs, who was happy that he didn't get the ball enough in Minnesota, had 94 targets last year. The year before that, I think he had like 149, something crazy like that. So if there is one concern, and I do think it is fair, I, because it's happened. You got to hope that Stefan Diggs, I mean, I certainly wouldn't expect it in year one, but you got to keep him satisfied because you at least have to 
be a little bit concerned that if he's not getting the rock enough, man, you got to hope that's not going to be a problem because there's only one football in the Bills. Sean McDermott's not going to throw the ball 40 times a game if this team's winning and playing good defense. So you got to, you know, you got to hope that the ball distribution is even enough to keep all these guys happy, particularly Stefan Diggs. I mean, it would be irresponsible to not even at least discuss what did happen in Minnesota, why he so badly wanted out. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So that's something oh, at sure. least at least be, I don't want to, uh, again, concerned, maybe not concerned, but at least it's in the back of your mind that it's something that you have to know about. I'll tell you one thing, too, that I love most about Stefan Diggs, more than anything else, is I think that was the last piece of the puzzle when it comes to Josh Allen having any excuses. Not that he was Agreed. looking for any, but there's no more excuses, bro. That's you right. have three great receivers, three of the best, the, again, one of the better trios in the NFL. You hit on this earlier. You had the entire offensive line back, the entire line. So there's nobody new to plug in. Continuity's there. You probably upgraded running back in the draft by taking Moss over Gore. I love Frank Gore, first bout Hall of Famer, but your boy was 36 years old and very slow at the end of the year. Zach Moss is going to come in and bring a lot of energy. Plus, he's at least a good enough threat out of the backfield catching the ball that when Frank Gore was in there, you knew what was pretty much what the offense was going to be. Not the case yep. with Moss. Dawson Knox is going in the year two. You got your offensive coordinator back for a third year with your quarterback. I can't find you. You tell me where there's an excuse left for Josh Allen to be able to make. Not that he's the one making it to begin with. You know what I'm saying? But Stefan Diggs to me was that last piece of the puzzle. No more excuses. What's amazing is like this. We, we talked about it early in the show. This is the year of Josh Allen. This is yeah. the year. And, and, and 1A, Josh Allen, 1B is Brian Dable. So, like, as if Josh Allen, I don't want to say fails, but if he stumbles, that, that to me is on Brian Dable. And I love Brian Dable. I think Brian, oh, I guess I shouldn't say love. I like Brian Dable. I think Brian Dable is a genius as it pertains to designing and developing an offensive scheme and an offense. I'm not sold on his in-game management. That's another conversation. The problem is, is the conversation, that conversation lends a lot to what happens in the W and L column. Here's the thing, though. Josh Allen, with these weapons around him, if, if you look at what's going to happen, and I talked about this not long ago, if we can get that 7% drop percentage down, if we can just cut it in half, if we can cut it to 3.5, which is pretty, pretty much middle of the pack, middle of the road, maybe four, and we give him that three and a half points, those four points to his completion percentage, you're putting him at 61, 62. You're adding Stefan Diggs, who's going to catch more balls than other guys. And to me, the biggest problem that Josh Allen had last year was the deep ball. And I think, and I, I, w- I was responding to, to, to Matt Perino, I think the problem was his launch angle. And we've heard Jim Kelly talk about it, that somewhere in college or early on in his career, one of his coaches said, you know what, you need to put some air into the ball. It'll not only help you, but it'll help your receiver. And he did it, and it made a huge difference, and he talks about it. Josh Allen was throwing 60-yard lasers at people last year. Like, they would have to run to a spot, and it was impossible to complete those balls. He would drop back and chuck the ball, and the ball wouldn't leave the frame. And as soon as it left his hand, you're like, nobody's catching that ball. Like, you could tell when he threw it. If he can fix that launch angle piece along with Stephon Diggs, if we can get that drop percentage down, you're potentially talking about Josh Allen being in that 64% range, the weapon that he is. Josh Allen is a weapon on this football team. I mean, they got to think about stopping him, too. Like, I just don't know, Pat. Like, I just, I don't. Pick your poison. Like, it's very you know, fair for a Bills fan to be 
very enthusiastic about this yeah. team. I kind of, yeah. I think, and you're in the same boat as me in terms of like age and how long we've been Bills fans. You've kind of trained yourself to be a little trepidatious with yep. this team going 17 straight years without even making the playoffs. A lot of disappointment, obviously, even when they were good. But it's hard not to be excited about this team. And when it comes to Josh Allen, look, man, I, I haven't always been the biggest Josh Allen fan. But I will say this, the, the kid wants it bad. And the physical oh, yeah. skills are there. The skills are there. He, he very much in some ways is kind of like a Cam Newton. I've said that For from sure. the day he was drafted. The physicality sure. that he has, the speed, the ability to run through tackles and make plays with his legs. He's got a great arm. The touch hasn't been there. But I, I just, I, I hate saying it this way because I feel like an idiot. But he has, Josh Allen has, dare I say, MVP caliber talent with the pieces around him. He doesn't have to go out and do it by himself. The quarterback that I've always compared, I knew this was going to turn into a Josh Allen conversation, by the way, (laughs) not even supposed to be one of the topics, but that's the way it always goes. I hear a lot. I've always felt like he reminded me somewhat of a Brett Favre type of player. Now I'm not saying he's Brett Favre, but just that kind of sandlot, let's draw plays up in the dirt and see what the hell happens kind of quarterback, that gambler, just really wearing on a Sean McDermott team, but that's what he is. And and Brett Favre, you know, early in his career, didn't have the greatest talent around him. Then he got he accumulated more talent. I feel like the talent is there. So man, this, this I, I feel again. I'm almost stumbling over my own words because I can't believe they're coming out of my <laughs> mouth right now. But Josh Allen has MVP skill and enough players around him to to make a run at something. Like I can't believe I just said that. I've never said that before. I just did well. First of all, you're making Pierre Kingpin, one of the founders of Buffalo Fanatics, smile right now because I know he's <laughs> listening. And he has been calling for Josh Allen to be in the MVP conversation for about – he's been – it's been in the group chat for a while. Like, he is, he's is he been out there like, Josh Allen's going to be in the MVP conversation. And even though some of us are like, ah, I'm not so sure. Like, he's like, he's like ch- champion in that whole thing. But the reality is, to your point, like, with the arm talent that this kid has and the Brett Favre comparisons, think just back to the Texans game. There were moments in that Texans game, as much as it didn't end the way that we wanted it to, a couple bad calls, a couple missed blocks, a couple bad whatever happened. There were some throws. There were some plays in that game. Josh drops back, gets flushed. He's running all over the field, and you're like, that's it. And then he throws a dart to Devin Singletary in triple coverage for a first down, and you're just sitting on the couch going, wow. Like, did that yeah. just happen? Like, the, the the talent this kid has, like, there's just there's a, there's an it factor there. He wants it. He's humble. He loves this city. Like, it's just, if we could paint the picture, the picture comes out perfect. We just got to cap it. We got to finish the last game of the season, which is what we couldn't do, right, all those years ago. But, yeah, I, I apologize if I'm feeding into, my energy is feeding into your No, <laughs> I just, I didn't, I didn't anticipate, <laughs> I've never said that on my show, and I've never really thought it. But as we're talking it out, I'm like. It's on the record. I just got record. done telling you. I, I, I got done telling you about the receivers, about the running backs being better, about the offensive line being the same, about Knox going to New York, too. I'm like, yo, this team could win 10 to 12 games. That kind of puts your quarterback in an MVP conversation if he plays well, and he certainly has a talent. You know, before we move on to, you brought up that wait, playoff wait, wait. game. Pat, Pat, yeah, Pat yep. hang on a second. All the stuff you just said, and we're returning a number two defense in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying all the tools are there, man. They're they're there. <laughs> I'll tell you, you brought up that playoff game last year, and I just had Jay Skirsky on last week, and he talked about that game. Great show. You know, it was a great show. Thanks. You know, Josh Allen made a couple of mistakes, but at the end of the day, and Jay hit on this, if Dawson Knox makes one block, the Bills win that football game in overtime. 
They they win the game. Josh Allen is Dawson, easily. Dawson Knox, he makes that block, and Josh Allen's still running. They haven't caught him yet. <laughs> it's just nuts, man. Ugh. Anyway, all right, so this is something that you want to talk about completely changing gears here. I have this topic <laughs> written down. Turn. Brian Mormon, who represents the Bills during the drought probably better than anybody because he always heard, you know, the best player of the decade was a punter, whatever have you. But here's a question. I saw this on Buffalo Rumblings. I thought this was a interesting question. Does Brian Mormon belong on the Bills Wall of Fame? Now, the pros are he spent 11 years with the team, a two-time first-team All-Pro, a 43.8 career average. Those are great numbers, man. One of the better punters in the NFL for a full decade. The cons, dude's a freaking punter. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts, man. <laughs> if you're in charge here, do you put Brian Mormon on the Wall of Fame? I guess my question would be this for you. If you're gonna if you're gonna ask me this question, I'm gonna ask a question back. What is the in in his career, in his tenure as a Buffalo Bill? So I can't remember exactly who his head coaches were. I've got to think it was uh, Greg Williams. Obviously, it was Jerron and Malarkey was in there somewhere. And then maybe, I guess, uh, Chan Gailey at the end. Of all of the quotes that a coach has had in that tenure that he was a Bill, what is the most famous one? Do you remember? No. What is it? I think of Brian Mormon. I think of Sean Taylor almost decapitating him in Hawaii. That's the only thing. Well, that was was the Pro Bowl. So the greatest quote in that whole entire time was from Dick Duran after the Colts game when they said, what went well? And Dick Duran said, well, we punted it well. (laughs) That's right. I do remember that now. (laughs) For 11 years. We punted it well. Like, yeah. that's literally the quote. And then <laughs> when you look at the train wreck that we have now, like, I just, for me, it's a funny conversation because do you put a punter on the wall of fame? I don't know. But the reality was it's it's Brian Mormon and Kyle Williams, right? Yeah. Like from, that, from that decade, Brian Mormon, Kyle Williams. And not to mention, like, was he just a punter and he was a great punter? The fans loved him. There were Mormon jerseys in the stands everywhere, every uh, Sunday. A, a concerning so. amount of Brian Mormon jerseys in the stands <laughs> during those years. <laughs> I don't exactly. know, man. I don't know if I could do it because I'll tell you what. I, I like Brian Mormon, and he was a great punter. But, dude, you got Cornelius Bennett, and you got Reuben Brown, and you right. got Eric Moles. Guys, yep. Those guys need to be on the Wall of Fame, and none of them three are yet. Maybe you can add Aaron Schobel to that, too. You mentioned Kyle Williams. He's a lock to go up there someday. Oh, yeah, for sure. Perhaps, maybe, Eric Wood. Um, eh, actually, more if than you said maybe. Yes, yeah, I said Schobel. So, yep, all yep. those guys, far and away, deserve to go on before him. I'm not going to say, if like I'm not going to be mad if Brian Mormon goes on the wall, but I'm certainly not going to advocate. I'm not going to start a Twitter handle and a petition to put Brian Mormon up in the wall of fame. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's a, it, it would probably get a million signatures in Buffalo. Oh, I'm sure yes, it would. I, <laughs> yeah, it would. Right. Punters. I want to pivot back to the current bills here for our last topic. And I might see a couple of things in after that, but this is an important one, all right? Extending Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. I know those sound like no-brainers. Both have two, two years left on their deal. They signed five-year deals in uh, 2017. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure others have concern with because of the Sabers. Frankly, the moves that the Bagulas have made, that those moves with the Sabers, I don't care who they're hiring for GM. But my concern is they've been financial moves, financial motives. A lot of the Sabers stuff. I want to read a quote right. to you. Uh, Tim Graham had in a recent story from the Athletic. So Tim Graham reported McDermott was concerned from a January meeting, and this is Tim's quote. He says. Two sources close to Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, say the January meetings left him concerned about low morale 
eroding the culture he and general manager Brandon Bean have cultivated over the past three years with a meticulous, holistic attitude, Graham wrote. Are you concerned at all that with what is going on with the Sabres, which obviously is a total disaster, that that could affect McDermott and Bean's desire to uh, want to be in Buffalo long term? Because they're looking like hot commodities, so I don't think the Bagulas wanting to keep them is going to be an issue. But them wanting to stay in what could be a messed up situation inside PSC going uh, forward, you know, looking behind the scenes and stuff. Does that have you concerned at all, basically, what's going on with the Sabres that it could leak into the Bills? I'm going to say no. And the reason that I'm going to say no is based on personal feelings in the first part, which is the report itself. So when I read that, I remember when, I, when, when that came out and I originally read it and it, it was an eye roll for me. And it was like, oh, here we go. Because that's what Buffalo media, Buffalo sports media in particular does and has done. Like you, you said it a minute ago, you and I are about the same age. All we have read, even going back to the Jim Kelly days, like was all the reasons that it wasn't going to work. All the reasons that it was bad. All the like, it's always the. What sells? You know, give us dirty laundry. Like that was the song that uh, the Eagle, not Eagle, Don Hen, Don mm-hmm. Henley wrote, right? Yep, yep. Like it, it. So for me, there was just an eye roll there as it pertain, pertains to that. The other side of that is, and I don't have sources. I'm not a reporter. I don't have credentials, but I know people that are close to Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott loves Buffalo, and he loves this team. And then you look at Brandon Bean, and like Brandon Bean came out and basically defended the city. Like you don't talk about our city. I, I mean, he swore in a press in a presser about. People that don't know our town, like this is our town and we do what we do and we love our team and this is who we are. Obviously, at the end of the day, money talks, right? Yeah. So it's, they're, they're going to have to pony up. I don't think, I don't understand, I don't understand how the culture of the Sabres, which is a train wreck, a dumpster fire, and I hate to say it that way, but has been, I don't know how that creeps its way into the Buffalo Bills. Like there's only one person, it, that a pivot point at the top, that's the president over both you know, franchises, and I think she's great. So I don't have anything negative really to say about her, but I don't know how the, you're telling me the culture from the Sabres, especially when there's like this intermingling of teams. Like the Sabres were supportive of the Bills last year. The, like for the first time, like one Buffalo happened. Like the Bills were going to Sabres games. Like they were kind of like hanging out with each other. It was, I just, I just don't know that I buy into all that. At the end of the day, it's about this. The Buffalo Bills is like a casino. An NFL franchise is a a casino. It's a license to print money. The NHL is not super profitable unless, like, you're going to the Stanley Cup playoffs every single year. Yeah, Sabres are losing a ton of money in the NHL. Crazy money. So I think it's just that difference. And I think the Pagulas are smart enough. Terry Pagula is a brilliant dude. I think they're smart enough to understand that, like, leadership is important. And, leader, you know, you can, if you remove Bean and McDermott from this situation, I'm not saying that you couldn't get lucky twice because I thought at first that like they hired the guy they wanted, but then like we've heard rumors even recently that they may have gotten McDermott. Luckily, like it was just kind of like, well, we picked that guy and like he just turned out to be great. Um, But I think, I think they got to keep him. I don't think there's any way that they can let these guys walk. I mean, how do you, how do you, you you can't let let them walk? There's no way you can let them walk. You and I, I'll say this, and it's okay. I think you have a much higher opinion of the Bagulas than I do, and that's fine. Maybe. I'm not, uh, I'm not a huge Sabres fan anymore. Right. Anymore. And I understand that, and there's lots of, I, I think the issue is that, well, there's two issues. When it comes to the Sabres, there's lots of financial issues, like they're making moves that are financial moves right now, and a lot is because of COVID, and that's at least somewhat understandable. And then a lot of issues has been 
inside the organization. Lots of reports right. that Terry has been a very meddling owner, and that could be a problem too. In terms of McDermott picking the Bills, they did get lucky because he absolutely got offered by Cleveland. He chose Buffalo over Cleveland, mm. which is, gotcha. I don't want to say they got lucky. They sold him. They did a better job of selling Sean McDermott than maybe Cleveland did. I'll say this, and this we'll wrap that up by saying, you know, you said money talks, and you're 100% right. Because at the end of the day, you pay these guys, I don't think they're going anywhere either. Now, Kyle Shanahan just signed up six year. I think he's getting like $9 million a year or something like that. Yo, Sean McDermott's going to get paid, man. He's going to have that type of leverage. Because put it this way, you you might not follow the Sabres closely, but you do know that Sabres fans are pissed off. And I know oh, you yeah. know that, oh, right? Yeah. Can you imagine right now, let's just say, because they got two more years left, let's just say the Bills continue to go, win 10, 11 games, they win a division or they make the wild card. Even if they're one and done, they're still a team that's right on that cusp. You let that head coach and that GM go, what do you think fan relations is going to happen when it comes? It's over. It's a done deal. It'll be just as bad, worse with the Sabres. Is it safe to say to you that like Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, is like, let's just use, use them as a combo. I think they're more critical. Maybe you could take Josh Allen out of this mix. But so if you take away Josh Allen, I think McDermott and Bean are more critical than any one or even two players on this football team. Agreed. No, I'm a, so I, one of the, my background things you asked me about, about my background when we started, I'm a student of leadership. I love leadership. Like I read a lot of leadership books and my mm-hmm. job as it pertains to leading people. I think that where corporations miss it a lot of times is truly understanding what a leader is, what a leader does. And like a, everything that, Mc, that, that McDermott says is literally straight out of all the education that I've gotten as far as, you know, we want players to come here and be the best version of themselves that they can be. Like, no, what you're talking about is that culture piece, is like all of that investment piece, is all of that stuff. So yes, to answer your question, you are 100% accurate. This team is not as strong without those two at the top as it is with them at the top. You get you hand them both a check and it's blank and you tell them to write anything in it. And I think I would I would say this wrapping all that kind of com- money conversation up. It's a good thing Terry Pagula is a billionaire and he's what is he the sixth or seventh richest owner in the league? Because not only does he have Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, he's going to be writing if if Josh Allen is who we think he is, one hundred and forty million dollars. Oh, probably. Yeah. oh Trey yeah. White should be resigned should already be resigned to this team and like he's not going to come cheap cheap Matt Milano like the list of guys that like like that are on the on the list to be signed like this team has talent this team has like talent that we have not seen since the 90s era Bills team and they've got the coach and they had the coach back then too there's just man they've got to keep it together and like if they keep it together and I think Terry's smart I think he knows if I keep this thing together like it's it's gonna print money like I'm not gonna have to worry about it I agree. I, I think Sabres fans don't really want to hear what we're talking about, but I, I, I get what you're feeling, man, and I feel the same thing. Right. It's like, do what you got to do with the Sabres. Who gives a shit where you save some money with them? But just, as long as they don't trickle over to one Bills drive, we're good, man. We're right, good. Right. I got a couple notes here to, to wrap up. I should have hit on this earlier, but we were talking. So we've talked uh, Cam Noonan. We've talked Tom Brady. We've talked Patriots being uh, the favorites in AFC East. Just imagine... And the thought and never entered my mind until a couple of days ago. But can you imagine a New England Patriots, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl? And I don't think it's going to happen. But could you imagine <laughs> if there was ever a dream that the NFL could ever have a dream and say, this is the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls? That's got to be it, right? New England against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in Tampa, by the way. That game would be in Tampa. This is what I would say. There's only one time in, his, in the history, in my life, so I was going to say in the history of the NFL, 
There's only been one time in my life that I thought the NFL was fixed. So in my history of watching, and it was when Katrina happened, the Saints went on to win the Super Bowl. Like that was the only time that I was like, wait right. a second. Because if you remember before that, the Saints weren't good. Like there was nobody going, oh, I think the Saints are going to the Super Bowl and going to win. Katrina destroys that city. The Saints win the Super Bowl. There's other people that have talked about like the whole Gulf War and the thing. And that's when the Patriots and like, oh, the, we're the Patriots and, you know, we're Americans and blah, blah, blah. I would tell you this. If the pay, or if, if the Patriots go to the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in Tampa, if that happens, I'm probably done. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much confidence I have in that happening. I'm probably done. At that point, I'm like, yeah, this is the WWE. Like, this, <laughs> this isn't real. Like, you're you're writing this stuff, and I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, for that to happen, that means games have to happen. Some teams are right. thinking about flying. I, I just read this from uh, Pro Football Talk. Over the last day or so, some some teams are reporting that some teams are thinking about flying to and from road contests on the day of the game with no hotel stay at all. Again, that's what Pro wow. Football Talk reported. Yeah, I'm just the honey badger. Tyrone Matthew, he, he wrote, he tweeted two words. He said, "Hell no." <laughs> so I'm yeah, like, yeah. I can't. There's no way you could see that happen. How are you going to travel game day and, and go play a football? Guys are going to sit on a plane, get off, go to the stadium, and, and play football. That's just oh, uh, that's not going to happen. Legs. Yeah. Yeah, you have dead legs. I, I don't know if you saw it. Cuomo just came out and said that uh, in New York State, as long as there's a COVID emergency, there will be no fans in the stands. Yeah, yep, I saw that. I'm not confident that there's going to be fans. I, I don't think there's going to be fans this year. You never know, but I'll tell you what, there might not be a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game in Tampa the year. The way Florida's going right now, man, <laughs> I'm telling you. NHL, no, I know you're not a big hockey guy, but news did break. Uh, playoffs are going to resume. Or all going to be in Canada. Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, no American playoff hockey. Nah, you really don't give a shit, do you? <laughs> no, you can tell me. You no, you can tell me. Like, no, I pay. I do pay attention. I so I am a Sabres. I was. I was. So I was huge. I was a huge Sabres fan. Like in the Regis years and all of that stuff. Like, I, like I, I worked. I would come home at night if I if I missed the game. I would watch the replay on back then. What was it? Uh, the what was the sports network we had here in Buffalo? Empire Sports. Replay, Empire, Empire sports. Yeah. They, yeah, they played at midnight and they would run it with no commercials and like they didn't have the pauses for the for the the period breaks. I was an I was a I was a diehard Sabres fan and it really began to wane for me when the Reguses came out and were like, "Yeah, we're going to be competitive." It's it's weird because I've been a season ticket holder for the Buffalo Bills since 1997, but the Buffalo Bills and the NFL have a salary cap. There's an amount of money that they have to spend, and if right. they don't spend it, then they get in trouble. So there's a, a measure of forgiveness that I had for the bills who were just inept. You guys suck. Like you can't figure this out, but I'm going to stick around until you do versus, you know what? We're not really going to try to win. We're just going to be competitive. And it's like, well, then I'm not giving you my money. Like, so I do love the Sabres. I, like it's always going to be a part of me. If they started, like when they went on the terror, the beginning of last year, it was last year, right? When they were like, I was tuned in, I was dialed in, but I just, I need them to, show me something so to your point yes I do, i'm interested in the playoffs i do watch a lot of playoff hockey i watch playoff basketball i watch playoff baseball um but yeah so what's your question ask me <laughs> i really don't have a question i was just commenting oh, gotcha, that gotcha. no hockey gonna be played in america until whenever next season starts here's why i wanted to end this okay now you spoke okay. of, you, you spoke of leadership earlier i i wanted to make sure that we discussed your podcast and fanatics and that we talked football because i feel like People who tune into this podcast, that's the meat and potatoes of why they're listening. I don't like to get into political or social issue, long form discussions, because I feel like that kind of takes away from people who might maybe want to escape from that and being able to talk sports. But 
I do want to read something to you, for you and also for people who are listening, because a friend of mine, his name is Chris McComas. He wrote something on Facebook just the other day, and I, I want to read it and I want to get your reaction. It's a little bit lengthy, but I think it's important because I feel like this guy, more than anything I've seen in months, really captures the spirit of the way I think people should be. So I, I don't know what your take is on any of this stuff, but I'm going to read this to you and then I want to get your take afterwards. You good with that? Yeah. All right, so this is what Chris wrote. He says, community matters and I want to see everyone happy, thriving and living their absolute best life. With that, I'm not going to let fear keep me away from expressing what's right. I am and always will stand for equality and human rights. This versus mentality we seem to have has to stop. Times are rough. And we need to come together now more than ever. If you come from a place of privilege, I know I have, consider listening to those who are calling for help. You don't have to change the world by yourself. Community kindness, understanding, and respect can go a long way. Try talking with someone whose surface culture is different than yours. You'll discover there's a lot of good happiness and love in this world that comes in all colors, languages, sexualities, shapes, and sizes. One more paragraph here. He says, COVID-19 has a massive asymptomatic rate, meaning there are thousands of people living their life, business as usual, unknowingly spreading the virus. Many from that branch of contagions will become asymptomatic carriers and continue to spread. Some will be ill and quickly recover. Some will really struggle and eventually recover, and some will die. Had the original asymptomatic carrier had a mask on and practiced social distancing, it's very likely he or she doesn't spread that virus at all. They could live their life outside of quarantine and continue to stop the spread even as a carrier. Additionally, wearing a mask is a sign of respect for your community. We can no longer claim ignorance. We now know enough about this virus to accept that if we want to live our life, we may have to put a mask on from time to time. It's also the quickest way to having a football season and sending your kids back to school. Love your neighbor. Be kind. That really resonated and really stuck with me. I kind of want to get your instant reaction to hearing something like that. What's your feeling about all this? Yeah. So I was a doubter. Um, and I wasn't a doubter in COVID. So don't get the wrong idea. My sister-in-law is a nurse. Um, and she is a travel nurse. So she's, she is from New York, from Buffalo, uh, married one of my best friends who's in, who is from Ohio. They lived in Ohio for a while. She went to college in Ohio, became a nurse in Ohio. Then they became, she became a travel nurse and she's been on the West coast most of her career as a travel nurse. And it's been eight years that she's been a travel nurse. She volunteered to go to New York city during the height of the pandemic. So I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, COVID is real. People are dying or people were dying um, as far as just from a COVID standpoint. So I wasn't a doubter in COVID, but there was a great deal of like doubt over things that I had read from the WHO, things that I've read from the CDC reports that come out. And then as soon as there's political pressure, there's an about face. I'm naturally a challenger. So if you're into the Enneagram thing, I'm an eight. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, so when it became a law in New York state, you know, there was an aspect of like Governor Cuomo's not wearing a mask and he's telling me that it's the law that I have to wear a mask. Well, why would I wear a mask? I'm at the point now where I would tell you this, you know, New York state, the numbers are still dropping. Thank God they're still dropping because it was worse here than it was anyplace else. And in other states in the South, primarily it's going up at a very rapid rate. Yes. What do we have in the states that, that, that it's going down in? We're wearing masks. What are the states that it's going up in? They're not. And oh, by the way, it was the UV thing. I kept hearing the whole, well, when summer comes and the UV starts killing the virus, well, the, the UV is clearly, clearly not killing the virus. It's, it's going up in, in, in Arizona. It's going up in Florida. It's going up in Georgia. It's going up in all the southern states, Mexico. Like there's, there's like hot places that have a problem. At this point in time, I'm probably right there with it. Like 
if, if, if it's going to take wearing a mask, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't, I don't feel like I can breathe in a mask. I'm a challenger. I don't like being told what to do. However, if it means that it's going to save somebody's life and I'll be honest with you when I'm in a store. So if I'm at Lowe's or I'm at home Depot or I'm in a grocery store, if I'm in an aisle by myself, I pull my mask down so that I can breathe. As soon as I walk near somebody, especially if it's an older person, I immediately think about them. My mind, my conscious, my mind, my spirit immediately goes to them. Like, man, I don't, I don't think I have it. I haven't been around anybody that has it. However, and I pop the mask back on. If I'm in the aisle by myself, I take it down so I can breathe. And as soon as I walk near people, I pop it back on. It's just one of those things. If this is what we have to do to get through it. And to be honest with you, if I have to wear a mask so that I don't have to get a vaccine, I would prefer that. And I'm not anti-vax. My kids have been vaccinated. There's just an aspect of like rushing a vaccine through all the like, like stuff. And then like they pump 325 million people full of a vaccine. It just doesn't sound like a great idea to me. So if I got to wear a mask, I'd rather wear a mask than get a vaccine. So just wear the stupid mask, right? So that's kind of where we are. Yeah, man. I'm going to let you have the last word on that. I've ran it enough. That was very well said. We'll leave it there. So everyone follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Check out the Overreaction Sports Podcast. Again, part of the Buffalo Fanatics podcasting community. I'll put a link up to that stuff in the show notes. Dude, silky smooth voice, man. I really appreciate, I appreciate you. It. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, I definitely look forward to having you back on again. Yeah, this was this was awesome. Anytime, anytime. Like this was totally just a treat for me. So humbled to be here. Thank you so much. All right, folks, that is going to do it for today's episode. A very, very big thank you one more time. Joe Miller, Overreaction Sports Podcast, part of the Buffalo Fanatics podcasting community. Make sure you go check that out. Like I've said several times throughout this podcast, I think Joe Miller is going to be a very, very popular name among Bills fans really soon. So go check that out. Also want to thank today's show supporters, 26 Shirts and Sounds Assured. Guys, if you have not done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast right now, rate and review, all that fun stuff. Only takes a minute to do. And I'm telling you, it really, truly helps me continue to grow this podcast. You can find us on all the major podcasting platforms. Also, check us out on YouTube. Talk about Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. Got highlight clips from current and past episodes up there. Eventually going to start messing around with some video stuff as well. Last but not least, follow me on Twitter. At Pamoran Tweets. I'm always on Twitter. That's where you'll find me. Can't thank you enough for listening. I say it all the time. I really mean it. I know how many podcasts there are out there. Even just among Buffalo Sports. There's a million of them. So when you're locked into this one, that humbles me. It really does. I'm very appreciative of all you. So thank you very much. Have a nice, safe holiday weekend. Again, emphasize that word, safe. Please be safe. Wear a mask. Do whatever it is that you need to do. Social distancing, all that stuff. It's just so important. Take care. Have a good one. Be back. Brand new show next Tuesday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.